0: Listen, find your outline in your bulletin. We're going to have just a short, because I told that story, a shorter time in the Word this morning. Here's the deal. On a Celebration Sunday, we usually just zero in on the gospel. And I'm going to do that today, but in a little different way, because here's what we're doing. Today's going to be a preview Sunday for a series that we start officially next Sunday. Okay? We're calling the series The Honor Challenge. And we want to learn what it means to honor one another more than ourselves. The book of Romans tells us that. In Romans 12.10 it says, Honor one another above yourselves. I am convinced that we live in a culture that has lost a sense of honor. If you travel in some parts of the world, some parts of the world still sort of have this Reverence and respect for certain people, certain circumstances, certain dates—all of that. But in America, we're very casual. We've sort of lost a sense of honor. But worse, we have become more of a culture of dishonor, a culture of disrespect. Every day in the news, we see people who are disrespected. We—if we, you're a politician here—and I don't know if we have any. But if you're a, in politics, you, you know what it's like to be disrespected. Uh, if you're in law enforcement, I have friends that serve in various law enforcement agencies in this community. And oftentimes, in some of their lives, their, their daily job brings them into face-to-face confrontation with people who disrespect them, disrespect the position. Uh, if you're a teacher or you're an educator... You know the challenge of living in a society where rights and all of those things sort of protect people in order to be disrespectful. We have lost a sense of self-respect and respecting others. I I grew up um, as a young boy. I remember getting teased and picked on a lot. I was disrespected as a kid. I read a statistic this week that kind of went deep into me because I read a statistic this week that said 160,000 elementary and junior high students don't want to go to school every day in America because of their being bullied and disrespected. That's crazy. And and as a little kid, I I went through that too. As a kid, I was teased. Every name, I, I had big glasses, big ears, and a little skinny body. And it was like I had a sign over my back that said, would you fight me, please? I mean, it was that kind of thing. I was pushed and jammed and, you know, bounced around. I was called four eyes, big ears, elephant ears, pencil neck. I had them all. I was, people teased me a lot. And I remember how that felt. It's hard to be disrespected. Of course, I had an older sister who got involved with that. And she, she, I remember once she punched out one of the neighborhood kids, knocked his tooth out. So I didn't have a problem with that kid anymore. But then it got around that my big sister, you know, had to do that. And it's bad. When you're a senior in high school, that just doesn't, <laughs> it just doesn't go. Actually, I was much younger. I was a freshman, I think, at the time. <laughs> younger than that. Anyway, nobody likes to be disrespected. But how do we gain a sense of respecting others? We're going to take six weeks and we're going to talk about, there's some honor moments coming up, even on the calendar. Next week is Mother's Day. Have you remembered that? Uh. So we're going to honor moms next week. And we're going to talk about biblically what it means to honor your parents. The end of the series, the sixth week, is honor your dads. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about honoring authority, honoring elders. We're going to talk about just honoring each other in honor moments of life. We're going to try to learn what it means to be better at honoring others above ourselves. That's going to be something that's going to be life-changing for some of us. It's going to blow our minds. But where does it all start? It starts with honoring God. Now, our time is really shrunk down here this morning, so I'm going to give you this stuff real fast. But this, this lays the foundation. If you were to talk to the average person about what it means to honor God, I think most people wouldn't have a clue, especially people that don't know Christ, don't know God wouldn't know what it means to honor God, they're likely in their misunderstanding, you might just drop that down if you're taking notes, if you like taking notes, and if you're you know, anal retentive, and if you leave the, off the service without your blanks being filled in, you don't have a good week, that kind of thing. Uh, the average person doesn't think a lot about, but if he does, he's, he's likely to misunderstand what it means. And here's what I mean by that. Um, In the Old Testament, God's covenant people were reminded about three ways that they mistook what it meant to honor God. Number one, they thought that just by bringing words to him, uh, that would honor God. And some of us think the same way. Just say nice things about God. Don't ever say anything bad about God. Learn how to pray nice to God. Those are all things that people think about when it comes to honoring God. But we know in the Old Testament, for example, in Isaiah 29... God says to his covenant people, he says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is made up only of rules taught by men. Okay, so what God says to his covenant people is, "Ah, you think you're honoring me by bringing words, but your heart isn't engaged, you're not honoring me. So this passes from sort of just words that I say to what's really going on in my heart. A second way that God's covenant people misunderstood like a lot of people misunderstand today is by just doing good things or doing things even good for God. Uh, God's covenant people mistook the idea that as long as they were bringing stuff to God that would be a way of honoring God but God kind of looked through that and he said he said in Malachi chapter 1 he said that if if I am a father, a son honors his father and a servant his master. And if I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priests, who show contempt for my name. How have we shown contempt for your name, you ask? You have have placed defiled food on my altar. How have we done this? When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled and diseased animals, is that not wrong? God's telling his covenant people, look, just because you're bringing things to me doesn't mean you're honoring me. Because you're not really bringing me the best. You're not bringing me your real heart. And this is the way a lot of us work today. In our relationship with God, we give God the leftovers. Have you ever given stuff away to like Goodwill, Salvation Army? Usually things that people put out for trucks to pick up are things that they don't want anymore. Maybe someone else can use them. And there's a beautiful thing in that. I'm not putting that down. But when the people of God in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, were bringing what God had prescribed for them to bring, but they were bringing not their best like God had prescribed. They were bringing bringing things but not the best. They thought that they were honoring God. So there's a lot of us today that sort of bring leftovers to God, leftover time. What do we have left over at the end of the month to give financially if we do that? Uh, I don't want to give my best to the Lord. I just want to give him a piece. We live in a very um, segmented uh, society in terms of our commitment to God. We, we segment it. We'll give God a little piece and we can just keep the rest for ourselves. That's not honoring God. God wants our hearts and he wants our best. And then thirdly, the old covenant people of God thought that the, the, the ark you know uh, the greatest arc of a person's life in terms of honoring God would be found if they were actually in some sort of vocational ministry. And so the priests were known as the ones that really, really had it down in terms of honoring God. And this happens in modern day today, too. Where some of us sitting here today we think okay you're the pastor you represent us to God uh, you represent God to us and so you just we kind of follow you and you're, you're sort of the one that we're kind of putting our faith in to honor God for us kind of thing and I know that may sound weird, but in some faith traditions that's really prominent people sort of live their spiritual life through their spiritual leader but in the Old Testament, once again, the book of Malachi, uh, God comes to his covenant people and he says, you priests, you priests are profaning my name. You're not, you're not truly following. He says, he says uh, if you do not listen and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, I will send a curse upon you. So your position doesn't necessarily ensure that you're honoring God. My position as a pastor doesn't mean that I automatically honor God. Your position, if you're a church worker or you're a leader in some case, does not make you one who actually honors God. God looks into our heart. And that's really all I'm trying to tell you. The reason why we misunderstand what it means to honor God is we put it into categories of words we say, things we do, or positions that we hold. And we forget that God is looking at our heart. He's looking at the substance of what we bring in terms of is it our best To him, And ultimately, is our heart just right with the Lord? Not our position, not a practice of position, but just our heart with God. Now, there was in the Old Testament, and we're going to look at a couple things this morning. What does it really mean to honor God? Let me tell you what it means, if you're taking notes. What it means is simply to acknowledge who he is and give him his rightful place in your life. Say that with me. Acknowledge who he is and give him his rightful place in your life. Now, to not do that, I would suggest is a king-sized failure. And the reason it's a king-sized failure is because of what we read in two kings found in the story of Daniel. And if you haven't turned there, maybe you already found your way to Daniel. You saw that on the outline. If you go to Daniel chapter 4, and I think you'll find that on page 1378 if you're using that book rack Bible, just a couple quick things out of Daniel 4 and 5. There are two kings there that show us By what happened to them. What God means when he says to honor me. And the first one is King Nebuchadnezzar. And in Daniel chapter 4. Here's what happens. King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember he's the king that overthrew Jerusalem. In 606. He actually takes exiles out of Jerusalem. uh, uh, Or out of the land of Judah. And then in 586. uh, Judah and the temple is destroyed. But there's some. Jewish exiles that are in the, in the area of Babylon, in the, in the capital city, Babylon. The great king, the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. And these, one is Daniel, there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we have in written scripture. There are many, many others, but in the book of Daniel, it's kind of around Daniel and those other three Hebrew exiles. And Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar wakes up one day and he's got this terrible dream and I don't know, it doesn't sound terrible as you read it, but for a king it was because it was a, the, in his dream he saw a giant tree and then a voice from heaven that said, Cut it down and leave it for a period of time until six seasons have passed and then it will be restored. And Nebuchadnezzar. God was using this dream to really provoke his heart and seem that something was wrong. And so he goes and he finds Daniel. And this is where we pick up the story where Daniel has to interpret this dream. And Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, he says in verse 20... Uh, verses 19 and 20 he says if only this applied to your enemies this is about you Nebuchadnezzar I'm paraphrasing he says you are the one that this dream is about because you have become look at verse 22 you have become great and strong your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth you are a world empire you are the king of the world empire but you think you've got there you've got here on your own you think that life is all about you you think that you are sovereign over everything. And notice what Daniel says in in verse 25. He says, Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree and its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. You see, what it means to honor God is to acknowledge who he is, he's sovereign, and give him his rightful place in your life. Now you would have think, you would have thought that Nebuchadnezzar said, "Thank you. Wow, good reminder." And he would have done something about that, but the text tells us, look at verse 28. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later. He's got 12 months to think about this. As the king was walking on the roof of his royal palace of Babylon, he says, "It's Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence for my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? You see, God had given him an entire year to get his affairs in order, to recognize that he was not sovereign but that there was a God who was. And he didn't do it. And so God comes to him and says, this is what, while his words were still on his lips, a voice came from heaven This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken away. And Nebuchadnezzar turns into basically a wild man. He becomes insane. He loses his mind. You know, there's a lot of people that lose their mind becoming so consumed with their own sovereignty There's a lot of people. You don't look it like on the outside, but their whole life becomes consumed with more and more and bigger and greater, and it's all about them, and life is all about them, and they might be a nice person. They might even be benevolent, but their kingdom is their own lives, and they fail to realize that life is not meant to be lived that way. Nebuchadnezzar, unfortunately, had to learn this the hard way. Well, at the end of this, in verse 34, at the end of time, Nebuchadnezzar writes this. I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Boy, that's a great place to start. If you feel like your sanity has been compromised, you need to raise your eyes to heaven. I honored and glorified him and praised the Most High who lives forever. What happens the greatest thing that can happen in your life is to move from a self-centered, you are the sovereign of your own life, to the place where you recognize that there is a God who is sovereign, he loves you and knows everything about you, and you can turn your life to him. And he praises the name. All the Let his dominion is an eternal dominion. Verse 35, all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven. Look at the end of this. We've got to skip down to the end of verse 37. Verse um, 37. I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. As those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So I don't know who's listening to this message right now, but there may be somebody who's got a little bit of Nebuchadnezzar in them. And the spirit of the living God would say, you are acting as your own sovereign and it's time for you to bow your knee to me. And God may just allow circumstances in your life to bring you to that point. I've met tons of people all through my life. Then there's this other king. Just quickly, Belshazzar, chapter 5. He's actually not the next king, but in the book of Daniel it looks this way. Daniel's not written in total chronology, but he's, he's several kings down from Nebuchadnezzar who is a, a distant relative. And Belshazzar... He, he's throwing a big banquet for his, all his big uplinks and nobles and they're drinking and they're celebrating, they're reveling and he orders the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, that's a way of saying his ancestor, had taken from the temple of Jerusalem. This is decades after Nebuchadnezzar. Bring all this stuff in and they're drinking out of this and his wives and concubines, it's kind of this, just this big reveling party. And as they're celebrating with these sacred emblems of God's presence that came out of the temple in Jerusalem, suddenly a hand appears on the wall and it starts scrolling out some words. Remember, you ever heard the expression, the writings on the wall? Oh, this is where it comes from. And the king is shaken. It says in verse 6, his face turned pale and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together And his legs gave way. Can you imagine how frightening this must have been? He calls the enchanters, astrologers, diviners brought before him, the wise men of Babylon. Whoever reads this writing will be exalted to the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Nobody can do it. So the queen mother, this is not his wife. This is probably um, one of the ancestors of Nebuchadnezzar, the queen mother hearing the voices of the king and the nobles, comes to the banquet hall and she says, look, don't get too worked up. There's a man in your kingdom his, that your father, the king Nebuchadnezzar, used that was able to divine mysteries and, and solve riddles. And so she, so it's Daniel. So Daniel is brought into this place and Daniel looks at this inscription and it's not, obviously, it's not something that was written in a language that he could understand but Daniel supernaturally was given the, the, the answer to this scrolling words that were found written here so that we could understand them, but obviously not in a language that could be understood then. Otherwise, the king could have just read it himself. But Daniel says, here's what this means. God has numbered your days of your reign and brought it to an end. You have been weighed in the scales and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. <laughs> How would you like to get that news? Well, at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. He's made the third and the highest in the kingdom. That's because Belshazzar was co-regent with his, uh, with his king, uh, King Nabonidus, which was Belshazzar's father. And while Nabonidus is away, Belshazzar is holding court in his, in his realm. That's why he's called the king. And that's why Daniel is placed at number three. And that night... That very night, verse 30, the king of the Babylonians was slain and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. And once again, another chapter closes and another new epoch begins in biblical history. The point I'm trying to make is this. Belshazzar ne- Nebuchadnezzar missed it on these two things. Acknowledge God for who he is. He's sovereign over all things and give him his rightful place in your life. And if that's happened in anybody's life here today, Here's what this means. It's a God-enabled grace that that's happened. It's a God-enabled grace. It's a God-enabled privilege. You didn't figure it out. You're not smart enough to figure it out. In fact, God doesn't even use your brain to figure it out, like we heard the scientists say. You try to think everything through, and that doesn't mean we, we lose our brains when we become followers of Christ, but it means that you don't come to the living God by figuring it out intellectually. God has used the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God tells us in his word that he is found as we search for him with all our hearts. And he might have put that in your heart today. You might have come for a baby dedication, a baptism, but God has been speaking to your heart. Where am I with this sovereign God? And here's the good news. For the next six weeks, we're going to learn what this sovereign God wants to do in and through our lives. But it starts with honoring him and when this happens oh i'm trying and when this happens when this happens this is the key to living an honorable and honor-giving life i would encourage you to look through the scriptures to find on so many occasions where where paul finishes his letter all glory and honor to the king of kings Honor, honor, honor. It's all about honor. And when we live this way, here's what happens. God bestows honor to us. Look at Psalm 62, 7. We'll put it on the screen. My salvation and my honor depend on God. Psalm 84, 11. Read it with me. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold to those walk whose, whose walk is blameless. God loves to give honor, but watch this. We must honor him first in everything in our lives. He comes number one, everything in our lives. I love Proverbs 22, 4. Say it with me. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. So we're going to learn what it means to honor each other, but it starts with honoring God. Acknowledge who he is and give him his rightful place in your life. So that's where we're going. And now this morning, we have a beautiful opportunity to celebrate the highest esteem we have for our God by proclaiming his death again until he comes. I'm going to ask our ushers to make their way forward. And we're going to right now go into a time of just celebrating the Lord's death, that Jesus did this. He died for us so that we could have eternal life. And if you've never opened your heart to Christ, I urge you to do that right now. Don't let another day pass without acknowledging that as a sinner you need a Savior. Invite Christ into your life right now. If not, if you're not a Christ follower, we're so glad you're here. Keep coming and listening, but let these plates pass you by. Otherwise, you would be doing an act symbolic of being in union with God who is sovereign as his rightful place in your life when it would just really be a charade a religious ritual so if you know him this morning and you know there's nothing between you and your loving God through his son the Lord Jesus Christ these elements are a once again reminder let's go to the Lord right now Lord we thank you For what we've learned is, as short as it's been, there's something very strong here, Lord, that I pray that this week will really circulate in our hearts and minds. And Lord, right now, we acknowledge that this is a moment where we can highly esteem you and honor you by partaking of these elements of your given body and shed blood as a reminder that you paid it all. You paid for our sins and you rose again from the grave to give us eternal life through faith, in what you did, in who you are. So Lord, let this be a beautiful time. Let us be praying for our friends and family that don't know you. Help us to right now use this moment to just exalt your name. And Lord, we praise your name. We thank you for being our one and true God. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.